Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One, two, three, you might not have noticed, but just before Christmas, there was a massive shakeup in employment law. The Fair Pay Agreement came into force, but... What on earth is it all about? Tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome to Stuff Explained. I'm Philippa Tolley. Wage negotiations are often pretty fraught. After all, it does involve money, income for businesses and pay for workers' mahi. And now there is a new industrial relations law described as the most significant shake-up in 30 years. So to help us understand more about the new legislation in this fiendishly fraught area, we're joined by Stuff's senior business journalist, Dilipa Fonseca. Kia ora, welcome to Stuff Explained. Kia ora, how are you going? Thanks for having me on. Great to have you here with all your expertise. So why was it argued that this change was needed? So, uh, I mean, if you've picked up a newspaper or uh, had a look at our own website over the years, you'd have seen plenty of complaints um, right from the public, government policymakers, all all kinds of people about New Zealand's low-wage economy, concerns around productivity, conditions. So this concern around pay rates and wages has been a, a long-standing concern. And the unions have often pointed to the cause of this as being the lack of union membership and the low bargaining power that workers have, which they say basically causes a race to the bottom when it comes to employment negotiations and lower pay, lower conditions. So what they're hoping to do with these fair pay agreements is set a kind of floor in terms of some minimum standards across different industries. So the big question then, how does it actually work? How will this law change things for workers and businesses? Yeah, well, it is quite a substantial um, change. I mean, I think PricewaterhouseCoopers calls it the largest shakeup of our industrial relations framework in three decades. What it is is basically um, a union that's representing a group of, of workers or workers in a particular industry can basically make a petition to have a sort of fair pay agreement a negotiation across an industry or a particular set of workers. The union needs to satisfy the chief executive of, of uh, the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment. They satisfy one of two tests, either a representation or a public interest test. So the representation test is that they are a union that represents 10% or 1,000 employees in a particular workforce, or that there's a public interest in having a kind of fair pay agreement in a particular industry, and that will be because the workers in that industry have very low bargaining power or have particularly poor pay and conditions. It will need to set some basic pay standards. It will need to have some agreement around leave and training and development. So does that mean that the union can get approval to go ahead and say we're talking about retail workers and then retail workers in, say, Invercargill can suddenly have their agreement decided on their behalf without their involvement and similarly their employers will have an agreement decided on their behalf without any of their involvement? 
Yeah, they have the ability to be involved. And at the end of the whole process, they will get a vote. But basically, the setting of minimum standards, um, they it will be negotiated potentially, unless they're a particularly large part of the industry, it will be negotiated by um, people a little bit separated from those workers. At the end of it, though, it will be put to a vote of all the employees and employers. It's a big mindset change, isn't it, for a lot of people on both sides? Yeah, and um, there's a lot of questions around how it's going to work. I think that when it comes to industrial relations, in some ways, with a, you know, you had a kind of pullback of union involvement through changes through the Employment Contracts Act in the early 90s, and now we're having it kind of clawed back a little bit. And I think that workers and employers will have to try and rediscover some of these old ways of working and negotiating and how to work these arrangements out. There are a lot of questions around how people are going to get organised uh, in time. Employment lawyer. Susan Hornsby Gillick says she believes that some negotiations that are you know about to start um, that these might not even be concluded by the end of the year. If that's the case, of course, uh, I think the National Party has pledged to repeal this uh, fair pay agreement legislation. Now we know there have been a lot of big bits of legislation that have been going through recently. You know, the example of Three Waters. People are not really understanding it. Is this something that people have really got their heads around? Um, the probably the misunderstanding that I've um, most commonly come across is probably around that this is about setting minimums rather than um, uh, separately negotiating a full agreements um, that apply across everyone. Um, but of course, if the minimum is higher than um, what you're currently have negotiated through, then um, that would be a change to your uh, employment conditions. But I don't think, uh, in some ways, um, you know, in amongst all those changes, uh, this one has kind of been a little bit uh, less noticed, I think, given that, you know, almost everyone has a, a job of some kind. So this is a change that will affect everyone eventually. So is this an idea that has just emerged recently, this idea that there there needs to be some sort of change? Or have there been discussions in the political arena over over decades that, you know, we really did need to do something to produce productivity and this was possibly something we should be looking at? So ever since, um, I guess, the late 80s, early 90s, there, uh, when we had big restructuring of the economy, um, and also a restructuring of uh, employment relations, there has been this debate about um, what is the cause of a, you know, what what was seen as a kind of declining share of uh, wages, declining wages, declining wages as a share of national income, and what was the cause of it, uh, how could we prevent it, uh, and, um, you know, how could we correct it, and uh, of course, different parties pointed to different things. Business generally tended to point towards uh, productivity concerns and say we needed to raise um, the productivity. And if productivity was raised, then that would flow through in terms of um, higher wages for workers because workers would be producing more, and so they could be uh, paid more um, uh, for the work that, for the work that they produced. Whereas um, unions were saying that you needed to even up the negotiation playing field. That the reason why um, we had these um, these differences in conditions were um, was because um, there were, had been a race to the bottom in terms of negotiations, and they often pointed across the Tasman to Australia, where they do have a kind of industrial award system that works similarly, although um, the sort of minimum standards are set by a, a fair pay commission. 
Um, and they said, look, you know, Australia's wages are higher. New Zealanders move there um, famously. And um, and this is one of the, the one of the key reasons is um, the strength of the unions in Australia. Certainly there's been lots of stories over the years as well, haven't there, about that brain drain and people flooding across the Tasman for better wages. Can you put New Zealand in any sort of international context when it comes to how bad is our productivity really? Is it that bad? And what about our wages? Are they that bad? The national picture of productivity has always been a kind of poor one, but I mean, I think that it's worth putting it in a international context, which is um, a lot of um, developed countries have been suffering from a declining kind of uh, or rather stagnant productivity growth. So it's not just New Zealand, but um, New New Zealand. Um, because I think of that direct comparison across uh, the Tasman with Australia, I think that we feel that difference quite significantly. The productivity debate has been a growing one um, since populations have started aging and there's been a greater pressure on um, countries to try and squeeze extra productivity out of um, sort of shrinking uh, native workforces. Why do you think it has been so quiet, the response to this. Uh, I'm sure you've done lots of stories for for the Stuff website about it, but, you know, it almost did sneak in under the radar in December. And, and given it's been described as such a massive change in industrial relations, why has it not had more prominence and more debate and got into people's minds a bit more? For one thing, there have been a lot of things on the public's agenda. And in some ways, um, this uh, wages and, and employment agreements um, has kind of taken a back seat we, I mean, you consider we had the we just came out of um, well, I mean, we're not fully out of it, but at least we're out of the emergency phase of it. We just came out of pandemic. Um, we then have uh, other reforms around uh, health, education, and um, water as well. And I think in amongst all that, I, and we've also then got a um, declining economic situation. So I think in amongst all that, it's been hard to get airtime. As well as that, I think that the whole uh, wages debate has kind of taken a little bit, bit of backseat in general because of, um, you know, we've gone through a period of very high wage growth because of the closed borders, because of just a labor shortage. So a lack of bargaining power has not necessarily been on the for, for, at the forefront of many uh, workers' minds in the way that, um, you know, I think that when you think to um, that sort of 2017 pre-pandemic um, election um, or even previous elections, I think that wages were much higher, uh, wages and productivity were much higher profile in some ways. So it actually came into force at the beginning of December and those that are interested would know all about it. Has there been a surge of applications to try and, and for some of the unions to kickstart this process? So these um four applications: uh, hospitality, uh, bus, uh, bus and coach drivers, um, cleaners of uh, buses, and uh, and then also um, supermarket and and grocery store workers, and that. So I think that four agreements per year is what they assumed was going to happen. Um, so that seems to be. Um, you know, pretty much in keeping with that. Um, but again, the questions are around what's actually going to happen. This is a new process. And I think actually um, there are probably also some interesting questions around what happens around the in- employer side of it because there are um, unions who are obviously organised uh, around this, but how will the employer groups 
uh, organise themselves into a cohesive organisation at the other end of the bargaining table. We'll have to see what happens in about a year's time, see where it's progressed to. Thank you so much for your time. That stuff's senior business journalist, Dilipa Fonseca. Great to have you on the show. That's it for this episode of Stuff Explained. I'm Philippa Tolley. On behalf of producer Jono Williams, thanks for listening. You can find more Stuff Explained online at stuff.co.nz and make sure to like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Is there anything you'd like explained? So do drop us a line at stuffexplained at stuff.co.nz. But for now, ka kite anō. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you're supporting? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate soccer. Right? I'm sorry. There's a sport that regulates soccer? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. Listener.